When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And welcome to the first of a four-part series on the North America Charging Standard. Why is it four parts? I don't know. I thought it was going to be two parts, but there's a lot of information to go through, and I made it into four, so it's not two giant episodes. Um, I got a little sassy there because <laughs> you didn't you didn't ask me that. I asked myself that. Why am I getting sassy? This episode of Kilowatt is brought to you by our patrons. So, I would like to thank Sean, Jerbo, Ravi, Nick, Charles, Electron Raceway Fabricator, and Scott. Now, if your name didn't get mentioned, don't worry, I'm breaking it up across multiple episodes. Anyway, thank you very much for supporting the show. If you want to join them, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. You can also look for the ACAST Plus link in the show notes if you don't like Patreon. And one more quick note before we jump into this. This is <laughs> this is a podcast about the North America charging standard. So if you live in a different country, I still think this is going to be interesting and relevant but it's mostly going to be centered around North America. Let's go ahead and dive into part one of the NACS adapter. This episode is going to be mostly background. All right, here we go. Automakers are investing heavily in EVs, Ford, GM, Volkswagen, and the list goes on and on, Stellantis. And I think we can all agree, for the billions of dollars that they've spent to this point, they've kind of had a lackluster showing. If you couple that with the fact that some consumers are hesitant to adopt EVs, mainly due to concerns around the charging infrastructure that we have here in North America, it's a problem. It's getting better, but I wouldn't call it great. If you remember back a couple of years ago, people would say, you know, talk about range anxiety, anxiety, and they'd say, well, the battery's not big enough. The battery's not big enough. Well, as time has gone on, the battery hasn't become as big of a deal, and now it's about charger availability. Seems like a little, to me, like excuses, but those are the things that get played out on social media and the news and all that kind of stuff. Most EV owners, we all know, charge at home, 
but the availability and reliability of a public charging network, especially on longer trips, is a, is a concern. Here in the United States, we have a bipartisan infrastructure law that is providing $5 billion in subsidies for EV charging infrastructure. Their goal is 500,000 new EV chargers across the United States by 2030. But despite these developments, a comprehensive charging infrastructure build-out is expected to take several years, which has the possibility to either slow down or stall EV production or EV adoption altogether. And then you couple all of that with the fact that if you go to a Blink charger, you have to have a Blink account. If you go to an EVgo charger, you have to have an EVgo account, Electrify America. And then all of these uh, charging networks, they're down a lot more than they're not. I think Tesla has the best uptime out of all of them. And I've only been to one place where Tesla had a, a down supercharger and there were two of them that weren't working. But other than that, every, all the other ones were working. So, um, admittedly, I don't have a lot of experience in that, that area. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of different connectors here in the United States. We have J1772, CCS1, Chatamo, the NAX connector. That's a lot. And what does it all mean? So I'm going to break those, those charging connectors down. I am certain that many of the people who listen to this show know all about these charging connectors and could tell me way more than I could tell you right now uh, about these connectors. However, there might be some people listening who don't know. So in order for the rest of these episodes to work together, I need to talk a little bit about the charging connectors that are here in North America. So we have, starting off, J1772 which was designed for level one and level two charging. It was introduced in 2001. At that time, it was only capable capable of delivering 6.6 kilowatts of power. Currently, it's capable of delivering 19 kilowatts of power. Level one for J1772 is 120 volts, which is about five miles per hour of charge. And level two, is 240 volts, which will get you 60 miles of charge per hour. And this kind of depends on amperage and a bunch of other stuff, but to simplify it. Next up, we have CCS1, which is the Combined Charging System. This is designed for DC fast chargers only. This connector is equipped with a J1772 on the top and then a little rectangle on the bottom that is for DC fast charging. You can get up to 240 miles of charge per hour. Now that depends largely on the car, but it can deliver 240 miles of charge per hour if need be. One noticeable downside of the CCS1 connector is that it's cumbersome due to its size and the way that it's designed to connect into your car's port, charging port. Um, you have to get it at the right angle. And like I said, it's heavy and the cable that it attaches to is heavy. Also, the cable is very brittle and can, can get damaged fairly easy. So I wouldn't say brittle. The, the cable can get damaged. They seem to get damaged a lot. Um, but the biggest thing is it can be difficult to connect this charge, charging connector to your car. And maybe somebody like me, you know, 
I'm almost 50, but I'm still in really good health. Uh, and I'm, I'm a taller guy, so I can easily put that in. But if you had some sort of mobility issues or you had some limited use of uh, your, your hands, this might be difficult. Or if you're shorter, like my sister-in-law is 4'11". If she ever bought like a big electric vehicle that also happened to be an SUV and the charge port was up real high, she'd literally have to She'd literally have to come at this thing with the the charging connector over her head and then bring it down into the car because, you know, that's just how her body mechanics would work to get this thing plugged in. It's not easy is what I'm saying. Also, now I'm thinking of my sister-in-law with a charging connector over her head like a hatchet, like she's going to war uh, trying to plug into this big electric SUV. It's a funny sight. You you don't know my sister-in-law, but trust me, it's a, it's a funny sight. Moving on, Chatamo. Chatamo was designed for DC fast charging only. If you have a vehicle that uses Chatamo for DC fast charging, well, what happens when you just need to do level one or level two charging? Well, there's also another port for J1772 charging for the level one and level two. In North America, there are really only two vehicles on the market that are using the Chatamo DC fast charging, and that would be the Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Outlander uh, hybrid and the it's a plug-in hybrid, and the Nissan Leaf. EV startup Bollinger Motors, um, I don't know, we used to talk about them quite a bit. They've kind of dropped off a little bit. They're still around, though. They've decided that they're going to use the Chatamo connector for DC fast charging, and now that actually might change because Tesla's opened up the Nax connector <laughs> because originally Bollinger was petitioning Tesla to let them use the the Nax connector and the supercharger network, but that didn't really go anywhere. So they went with Chatamo. Anyway, Chatamo remains relatively unpopular here in the United States as evidence uh, by Nissan who uses Chatamo in the leaf. They went with a CCS one and a J 1772 adapt uh, connectors for their new Aria EV, which a lot of people like it's, it's one to check out if you're looking for an SUV. Despite being very unpopular here in the United States, there are nearly 50,000 Chatamo chargers across 97 countries. So it's, it's, it's out there. That's what I'm saying. And that pretty much wraps up your, you know, typical charging connector. I do want to touch a little bit on megawatt charging, which is not something that is typically going to be used for, you know, your normal everyday sedan. Megawatt charging is going to be used for big vehicles like semi-trucks, maybe electric boats or electric planes, industrial type vehicles. Well, there is a company here in Mesa, Arizona. They're called New, N-X-U. Don't ask. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I have a theory, but uh, it, it, it doesn't translate well to audio. So, But anyway, the new used to be Atlas Motors. If you're, if you've ever heard of that company, they were going to build an electric pickup truck. Well, they've kind of pivoted from that to battery technology and charging technologies. Just kind of as a side note here, a couple of years ago, the CEO of new was foolish and he gave me his phone number. So <laughs> I might have to text him and see if we can't get him on the show. Anyway, new 
developed its own in-house megawatt charging system called the new one. And they are claiming that they can deliver one and a half megawatts of direct charging current. They're actually claiming they can do more than that in the future, up to three megawatts. But as it is right now, they say one and a half for sure. Now, I, I watched a video on new and they can sustain 700 kilowatts of charging right now, which is pretty good. But it's not one and a half megawatts, and it's definitely not three. So we're we're kind of uh, in the um, early stages of their development. They also support AC charging, which I don't, I don't know why you would. The new connector is rhombus-shaped, and it has these four massive pins on it. But it is it is a huge connector. It is not small. This is not something that you're going to easily be able to put into your smart car, electric smart car, and charge it up. Like, it's big. It's a big connector. The Society of Automotive Engineers is also working on a megawatt charging standard, and, you know, Tesla, they're working on one for their Tesla semi-trucks as well. All right. Now, Let's move to the NACS adapter, NACS, or North America Charging Standard, however you want to say it. In order to get a full understanding of this, I'm going to start back in 2008. In 2008, the Tesla Roadster came out, and it did not have the Tesla connector at that time. Tesla used a bulky four-pin twist-on lock connector in order to charge the car. Here's a video from 2010. where a gentleman from cars.com is trying to charge the Tesla Roadster. Let's go ahead and listen to that. Hi, I'm Joe Weisenfelder with cars.com. People are wondering, where am I going to plug in my electric car when I go out in the world? Uh, The answer is you might find a public charging station or semi-public like this one here in a parking structure. Happens to be right across the street from cars.com headquarters. So we're going to show you how you do it using this Tesla Roadster lent to us by the Chicago Tesla dealership. Now, the basic information is you've got this kind of journeyman 240-volt charger. This goes in your power supply. Now, where do you get that power? There are a number of different adapters for different kinds of, of outlets. you got this one, you got this one, and these. Now, what you don't have is this one. So what we're going to do is going to resort to good old 110 volts. Uh, it charges slower, probably adds only about five miles of range for every hour of charging, but it's better than nothing. Now, this is a charging station from Coulomb Technologies. It's on the ChargePoint network. So what I did was I ordered this charge pass online. They mailed it to me. All you do is you hold it up here, then it unlocks the door. So now that the door is unlocked, presumably we can take the plug and put it in. Unfortunately, we can't. It doesn't fit. So we have a solution for that. I have produced the world's shortest extension cord, which we'll try and use here. Now this allows it to connect. And then I just have to kind of force that in there and close the door. When you close the door, then it knows it's in. And then you got to connect to the car. Open the door, light comes on, you can see it even in low light. You line up the line here, twist, and then slide to switch forward. What happens now is the blue means the car is talking to the charging station. Now, as it starts charging, it's supposed to turn amber and it'll pulse quickly if it's charging quickly and slowly as the battery gets full. Unfortunately, it just went white. Why? 
something's not right here. I actually tried at another charging station, another parking lot, and it worked fine. The charging station itself shows you that charging was suspended. It says there was a ground fault. Now, you can set up your account so uh, ChargePoint will send you an email or a text message or both telling you that something has gone wrong, telling you that the battery is fully charged. And they can even send an email or a text message telling you that the car is charged. Uh, and then you have, say, 20, 30 minutes grace period to come disconnect. So you're not being billed for what you're not doing. As for the charging itself, it worked fine at my house and it worked at another charging station, a public one like this. So obviously there's some kind of problem here that needs to be addressed. We hope they do it soon because we're going to be charging a lot of test cars in the future. There were a lot of charging fails in this video by 2023 standards. In 2010, you just had to deal with that kind of stuff. But in the video, there were some fails. And even by 2010 standards, there were some fails. So the guy standing in front of a charger in a parking garage starts off. He he has a bunch of adapters in his hand. And these are all 220, you know, adapters with different pin configurations, depending on what 220 uh, outlet you you encounter, right? Not all 220 outlets are the same. In order for him to charge the car, he has to scan a card, and that allows for a door on the charger to open up. And inside that door is, in this case, a 110 outlet. So it's not even 220. So he has all these four pin connectors for 220. Um, and they're not even or I shouldn't say four pin. There's some of them might be three. He has all these connectors for 220 and he opens up. There's a 110 outlet there. He tries to plug in the charging, the 110 charging connector into the outlet. And there's not enough room in the box, the way that the, the, uh, the plug is configured. So he has to plug in a pigtail so that he can reach the 110 outlet um, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of fails in this video, but I think it's a good illustration of what you had to deal with back then. And then there's still there's still some similar problems. I mean, it's a lot better, but we still have some problems. Obviously, Tesla needed a better solution than that. So in 2012, Tesla had two major announcements. The first one is the Model S. All right, it is now time. It is the moment we've been waiting for for a long time, and it is time to deliver Model S. Yes! Yes! All right. Okay, now, this has been not an overnight thing. This has been coming for a while. There are people here who have been working on this for three or four years. And there are a lot of people who said this day would never come. But at Tesla, we don't even think about them. We don't think about them. What we think about is the people who ensured that we are here today. There are 2,300 Roadster owners out there driving all around the world today who helped us get here today. We thank every single one of them. And everything they taught us is in Model S. Everything. 
And speaking of Model S, there are 10,000 people out there around the world who have had confidence in us and have reservations for a car they've never even driven. Most of them have never even sat in it. And there are 10,000 of them out there who have inspired us to make sure today happens. So we have a message today. On behalf of all Roadster owners, Model S reservation holders, every employee here today, every employee out there on the web visiting us today, I have three words. We did it. That's right. That's really cool to hear. The... (laughs) These old Tesla videos are so interesting. I've actually thought about doing a special just on old Tesla announcements and earnings calls. What I thought was cool about this video is it had a lot of the elements that made people um, fans of Tesla. Like they had a big party in the factory at Fremont. They had, you know, executives on stage, they weren't stuffy. They were kind of bouncing around. They were jubilant. They were happy. They were in a good mood. Elon was out there. He didn't talk for very long. It was just really nostalgic for me. Real quick, I just want to kind of run through some of the stats on that first Model S. It started with a battery pack of 40 kilowatt hours, which would take you 160 miles. It hit a zero to 60 speed in 6.5 seconds. That was the slowest, but still pretty good for that time. And then it also came in a 60 kilowatt hour configuration, which gave you 230 miles and an 85 kilowatt hour configuration, which gave you 300 miles. And I think the 85 kilowatt hour performance version, you you lost some, some miles on that. But still, by today's standards, other than the 40 kilowatt battery pack, by today's standards, those are still pretty good numbers. The second thing that was announced in 2012 was the Tesla charging connector which was uh, a grand name, the Tesla charging connector, but a little less grand than the North America charging connector. I guess, and I'm just guessing on this, the Milky Way charging connector would be too grand. I mean, we're not quite there yet for Tesla, but North America charging connector, we're, we're close. Anyway, my tease. The advantage of the Tesla connector was it was small, easy to connect. And perhaps the most important features was that it delivered level one, level two, and level three charging all in the same connector. So you didn't need a J1772 to do level two charging and then the Tesla connector. No, it's just all in the same connector. It's awesome. Along with that, Tesla also announced the location for the first six superchargers, which are going to be in California, Nevada, and Arizona. Here's a little excerpt from that press release. The technology at the heart of the supercharger was developed internally and leverages the economies of scale of existing charging technology already used by the Model S and enabling Tesla to create create the supercharger device at minimal cost. The electricity used by the supercharger comes from a solar carport system provided by SolarCity, which results in almost zero marginal energy cost after installation, combining two factors, combining these two factors, excuse me. Tesla is able to provide Model S owners free long distance travel indefinitely. Now we know that 
a couple of those things are outdated, right? Solar City doesn't exist anymore. Tesla might have some solar panels at some installations, but not at all. Uh, the installations that I've been to, there's no noticeable solar panels. If they if they are there, they're somewhere else. I don't, I don't see them. And then obviously the free long distance or the free supercharging that's gone. Like some Model S owners who own those original cars, they still get free supercharging for life. But anybody else who buys a new car, you have to pay now, which makes sense. Here's some of the other highlights from this press release. Gen 1 superchargers delivered 100 kilowatts of power and had the potential of delivering as high as 120 kilowatts of power, which it seems insane compared to today's numbers. Now, it seems that Tesla, at this time anyway, did not have um, how to describe supercharging figured out. Like, they, they, there was a little... Their press release was a little confusing. Let me read this to you, okay? Uh, Just to recap, Gen 1 supercharger, 100 kilowatts of power. So this is how they explain this. This can replenish three hours of driving at 60 miles per hour in about half an hour, which is the convenience inflection point for travelers at a highway rest stop. Most people who begin a road trip at 9 a.m., would normally stop it by noon to have lunch, refresh and pick up coffee, pick up a coffee or soda for the road, excuse me, pick up coffee or soda for the road, all of which takes about 30 minutes. That's really hard to say in 30 minutes, you can replenish X amount of miles. That didn't come until much later, apparently. Now, I do have a neat little video to play for you with Elon. So let's go ahead and listen to that. Tesla developed this supercharging technology, which is the most advanced charging technology in the world. This is something that allows you to make a brief stop at one of our Tesla supercharger stations, charge your car very quickly, and be on your way. Something that's unique about the supercharger is that it's free. It's not just free now, it's free forever. The number of Tesla supercharging stations is increasing dramatically. By the end of next month, we will have tripled the number of stations since the beginning of the year. Within six months, we will have covered most of the major metro areas of North America. A year from now, we will have covered 80% of the North American population, and within two years, over 98%. So by buying a Tesla, you essentially have free long-distance travel throughout the country forever. And we're also improving the supercharging technology itself to cut the charge time in half. So previously, people were spending upwards of 40, 45 minutes with the supercharging technology. Now a stop will only take you about 20 to 22 minutes. So the Tesla supercharging system will allow you to do the ultimate road trip. You can travel across the country and just pack some food, stay with friends, and leave your wallet at home. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Again, he mentions that Supercharger is going to be free forever, which obviously is not true. All right. So now I think we have a pretty good understanding of the connectors that are here in the U.S. We have a good understanding of the North America charging standard or the history of the Tesla connector. Let's jump into the North America charging standard. In November 2022, Tesla opened up their charging connector and port to vehicle manufacturers, third-party vehicle manufacturers, third-party EV charging equipment uh, manufacturers, and charge point operators. Now, we don't know the details of these deals that Tesla has with all these companies. We don't know if is Tesla like sharing some of the back-end technology for their hardware and software. Or are they just giving these folks, you know, a, a blueprint for how to create or interact with Tesla equipment and then, you know, giving them some support here and there? We don't know what they're doing. I, I would imagine that it goes more than just like, hey, you can use our connector, right? Because now people are able to charge, connect to the superchargers and all that stuff in the Tesla app. Initially, nobody jumped on this right? And we're going to talk about this a little bit in more detail later. But initially, nobody jumped on the North America Charger Standard, or nobody with any sort of influence did. But if, for some reason, someone like a company like, I don't know, Ford, decided they were going to adopt this connector, the this charging standard, there would be consequences, right? On one hand, you have third-party EVs equipped with the NACS port that is now able to access Tesla's expansive supercharger network, which is fantastic for the owners of those Ford vehicles in this scenario that's totally pretend and not real. And it would be a substantial benefit for their customers. On the flip side, uh, Tesla owners aren't going to be thrilled about that, right? It's already hard enough to get a spot when the supercharger uh, location is busy. 
Like Tesla doesn't have a good way of, of managing who gets to charge when, right? They don't have a good queuing system, I should say. So that's, that's, that's problematic. Now there is a flip side to that though, is that if the companies that build EV charging equipment, right? The DC fast chargers and the charge point operators, if they adopt the NAX adapter, then it's going to be a little bit easier for Tesla owners to charge at those third party locations like Blink, EVGo, Electrify America. So there's a, there is a, there is a top, there's a, there's an advantage to Tesla customers if this happens. Before Tesla announced the North America charging standard, they were doing tests in Europe, which allowed third-party EVs to to charge at select supercharger locations. And this is a little bit easier in Europe because Europe uses the CCS2 connector and the Teslas in Europe come with a CCS2 connector. So that was a little bit easier of a test. And eventually that expanded to here in North America and we got the magic dock and all that other stuff. So, you know, Tesla's putting all of these pieces, what I'm, this is a very long way of saying, Tesla's putting all of these pieces into place in the hopes that somebody is going to adopt this standard. Some major auto manufacturer is going to adopt this standard. Now, at this point, you may be asking yourself, what does the North America charging standard do? What is it capable of? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's capable of plug and charge. So Tesla's system allows for seamless charging without the need to swipe a credit card. In most cases, this the new uh, version for superchargers do come with a credit card slot. But you don't. if you own a Tesla, you go up to the charger, you plug in, it charges your credit card because you have all your information stored in uh, with Tesla. Now, if you are going to use a magic dock on a, on a generation three supercharger, for instance, that's no problem. You just download Tesla's app and you can uh, select which stall you're on and charge your vehicle, disconnect and, and you're good to go. Right. But that's inconvenient. Who wants to do that? We want to drive up to a charging or a charger, plug in, sit down, watch a movie. And then when you're done, you unplug and you drive away, which is super convenient. I'm not sure how third-party charge point operators are going to do this for Teslas or any other company. This is all dependent on, you know, vehicle manufacturers and charge point operators and EV charger, DC fast charger companies kind of coming together and figuring out how that everything's going to talk to uh, each other. And we actually have a little bit about that later on in a upcoming episode. Moving on voltage, the NACS adapter or connector, excuse me, supports both 500 and thousand volt configurations, which is significant to enhance charging speeds. In addition, the thousand volt configuration, that higher voltage allows for the electrical components in the vehicle to be thinner and smaller, which potentially saves manufacturers around $100 per vehicle. But that higher voltage also results in lower current, which reduces heat uh, generation, which can be gentler on the battery and help mitigate some battery degradation. Tesla's current superchargers do not support these voltage configurations, but it is anticipated that V4 uh, superchargers will and V3 superchargers could be retrofitted 
though there's no official announcement on this. And I do realize, now that I'm reading this, because I wrote this a little bit ago, now that I'm reading this, I do realize that version 4 is out, and it might actually support 1,000 volts. I don't know. I didn't look. (laughs) But I'm in the middle of recording. Anyway, next up, we have bidirectional charging. The North American charging standard supports bidirectional charging. Now, I just bought a Model Y back in May. I have no idea if my car actually supports bidirectional charging, like this little stealth feature, or if uh, that's going to come later to cars like the Cybertruck or whatever. So by bidirectional charging, the NAX connector will support vehicle-to-grid, vehicle-to-home, and vehicle-to-load, which means vehicle-to-load is basically if you need to charge, uh, or excuse me, not charge, if you need, well, you can charge another vehicle if you needed to, but vehicle-to-load is like if your refrigerator needs to be plugged in, or there was a gentleman getting a vasectomy and the power went out right before he got his vasectomy, and he's like, no, I really want it. So the doctor was like, well, I have a Rivian outside, so we'll just power all of this equipment with my Rivian and an extension cord. That's that kind of thing. So right now, those are the main things that the NAX connector will do. CCS1 and Chatamo, they have bidirectional charging capabilities. CCS1 also sports 1,000-volt charging. I don't think Chatamo does. I think Chatamo is like 700 or 800, something like that. As far as uh, plug-in charge goes, like I said, this is a little bit more complicated because you have automakers, CPOs, and uh, electric uh, DC fast charger manufacturers, they all need to come to some sort of agreement to make this work. And the very last episode or the very last part of this four-part series, we're going to talk about charge checks, but we're not going to do that now. All right. One last thing before we go. Why is Tesla opening up the North America charging standard and their supercharger network? Well, some people think it's to make money because they're licensing, licensing the North America charging standard. Um, they're not. They're not making money, at least now. We'll find out next episode that Tesla isn't charging Ford or GM or any of these companies to use the North America charging standard. All of the equipment they're providing is at cost. But we'll find that out next 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 week. Next episode, not this episode. Maybe it's because Tesla's going to make money when people charge on their network. And I, to that, I would say maybe, but I don't think that's a lot of money, honestly, enough to get Tesla excited. It might help expand the supercharger network for sure, but I don't think it's enough. Um, I don't think it's enough money in Tesla's overall business to make a big difference to them. Business Insider thinks that it's because Tesla will get access to third-party information on those EVs, on those third-party EVs. So if you plug your F-150 Lightning into the supercharger, boom, Tesla has access to certain personal details. Maybe that's true but I doubt it. I doubt that Tesla's going to be able to look into that F-150 Lightning and, and you know, gather a bunch of data that will somehow benefit Tesla and screw over Ford. Like Ford's got really smart attorneys. GM's got really smart attorneys. They're not going to just give over a bunch of data to Tesla. That doesn't make sense to me. So why are they doing it? I'm not sure. Um, I'd like to think it's an altruistic, let's sustain, let's, let's move EV uh, adoption forward. And this is the only way to do it. I'd like to think that I don't know hundred percent, I don't hundred percent agree with my own thought, 
but I think that's a, um, that is one option of why they're doing this. If you have thoughts on why they're doing this, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on X unless they start charging money to use X and then I won't be on there anymore. But you can find me on X at 918digital. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, record the next one, and I will talk to you. Well, literally for me, it'll be minutes, but for you, it'll be a couple days. I'll talk to you on Friday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.